You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz. Each week, I and my co-host, Dr. Scott Barber, bring to you the information that doctors are discussing amongst themselves in doctor's lounges all across the country. We try to give you the information that you need so that you can think for yourself, you can advocate for yourself and for your family regarding your health care needs. You can understand all of the things that are being discussed on a daily basis by people who know nothing about health care but want you to have information that they want you to have to position themselves and push their own theories. The uh, Docs for Patient Care Foundation is the group that supports the Doctors Lounge. We do work all across the country trying to fight for health care freedom for Americans and support the doctor-patient relationship. So please go to our website at www.d4pcfoundation.org. That's d4pcfoundation.org. And please contribute anything that you think you can give so that we can continue to bring our message of health care freedom and shine the light of truth on what's happening in health care and other matters um, and continue to do so um, for uh, as long as uh, we can. Today, I wanted to uh, talk about something that has really been weighing heavily on me as I'm watching, as I'm reading things that are happening in healthcare regarding wokeism, critical race theory, and cancel culture. Those issues coupled with medicine is a toxic mixture. It's bad for patients. It's bad for healthcare. It is bad for our society. There is no place for this in America. What does wokeism, critical race theory, and medicine have in common? Nothing. They have nothing in common, but there are people who are trying to force these toxic ideologies into healthcare. And unfortunately, the healthcare community are a bunch of spineless sheep who are kowtowing to the the loudest and most vile voices in our country. The people who run these institutions have absolutely no guts to stand up and say, no, this is not what we're about. These people are feeling the same pressure that corporate America has faced and has caved into the woke crowd to show that they are sensitive and they are not racist and they will do anything to prove to these people who you have nothing, no need to prove anything to, that they are anti-racist. 
And how do they prove that they are anti-racist? By embracing frank racist practices to prove this. The people who are pushing this are not interested in equality. Equality is not even a word that they're using anymore because if you use that word, you're a racist according to critical race theory. The people who are pushing this are Marxists, plain and simple. And and let's be clear about this, what we're seeing in America right now. These Marxists have taken over the Democrat Party because they are vocal and they have on their side the media, the mainstream media and social media. They've already taken over the education system and they're indoctrinating the youth in America to believe that America is a horrible place to live, that we are founded on principles that are um, that are basically un- untenable to begin with. Let me tell you what critical race theory is for those of you who've been sleeping under a rock and have not been paying attention. Critical race theory is the belief that the United States is a fundamentally racist country and the founding documents like the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution are inherently racist and that a person can be inherently racist based simply on their skin color. And this toxic, vile um, set of opinions, this, this doctrine has trickled into the public schools, into corporations, and every aspect of our society. And it is, it is an attempt to tear apart America based on race. These people are not interested in righting wrongs. They are interested in dividing Americans and destroying our country because Marxism is the antithesis of a capitalist United States. The United States is the most successful, the most altruistic country that has ever existed in the history of the planet. The United States has helped more people in more parts of the world over a longer period of time than any other country, any other society ever. Marx, this is something that, to Marxists, this is something that needs to be destroyed because it is against every principle that Marxism proclaims. And the easiest way to get people to change their minds about capitalism, about this country, and to, um, and to um, win the day is to use the easiest and cheapest form of 
insults and degradation, which is to call somebody a racist. And the word has been cheapened by these people because not life is not about racism, about race. We don't judge people based on what they look like, what their skin color is, what their religion is, what their their uh, how they identify themselves. We judge people on who they are and um, and what um, and, and and their their merits. We have a meritocracy in the United States, but this is something that Marxists despise. They do not want a society based on meritocracy. They want the masses to be put down by dividing people, by making people uh, uh, turn on each other, to be to be at each other's throats. In China, you can't say things because you're afraid that your neighbor will turn you in to the Communist Chinese Party. Same in Iran. The same was true in the Soviet Union. It's true in every Marxist regime or totalitarian regime. And that's what they would like to see happen in the U.S. And it's up to people who are who love this country to fight for it and to fight back and not allow this to happen. And too often, people are afraid of being called out by these Marxists. And they they don't want to stick their head out of the molehole. They do not want to call attention to themselves. And quite the opposite. They want these people to like them. So they'll go to to absurd extremes to prove to these people who you have nothing, no need to prove anything to, that they are woke, that they are anti-racist, that they are good people, and they should be left alone. Not because they believe any of this nonsense, it's because they want to be left alone. And that attitude, that whole mindset needs to be changed. And we need to be pushing back. People don't come to the United States because we're an inherently racist country. You've got people knocking on our doors, not just knocking on our doors, they're breaking down our doors, they're breaking down our borders to come into this country. Is that because it's a horrible place to live, because it's a racist country? Of course not. It's because this is the greatest country in the world, and people need to stand up for it and not give in to this fringe movement that has overtaken the Democrat Party, social media, mainstream media, the education system, and infected every aspect of our society, the military, um, and now medicine. The... The mission of Marxists is not to improve the country, but rather to tear it down. And this is what they've done in every single country that Marxism has been introduced into. And it results in nothing but misery 
and a loss of freedom for the people and a concentration of power and wealth into the hands of individuals at the top. And the far left has determined that using race as a weapon is the easiest way to rip apart America and its institutions and to obtain their desired end result. So what does this have to do with health care, the doctor's lounge? Are doctors really talking about this in doctor's lounges across the country? Not necessarily what my monologue was about leading into the show, but what is happening as a result of this. We're seeing some dangerous trends and actions in healthcare that needs to be recognized and it needs to be called out. Let me tell you the uh, tale about two doctors who are teachers, instructors at the esteemed Harvard Medical School. They've called for the allocation of medical resources to be done on the basis of race in order to promote social justice. Now let that sink in. The allocation of medical resources based on race. We're not talking about just, we're not talking about um, giving medical care to white people. We're talking about excluding white people and preferentially giving health care to black and brown and indigenous people. Their plan enlists the tools of critical race theory and they are sla- and they um, are uh, slamming what we now perceive as a colorblind society, colorblind policies, or the concept of equality for all individuals of all races, ethnicities, and um, and status under the law. They say it does not achieve the desired results with enough speed. So equality is not good enough for these Marxists. And people need to call this out for what it is. It's Marxism. And it's not, it's not Democrat policies. It is not liberal policies. It's Marxist policies. And the sooner we get comfortable saying this, the easier it will be to fight back against all of this nonsense. You know, I think that we don't talk about God enough in in our society anymore because that would actually um, undermine what Marxism is all about. They don't want God in a society. And God has a certain way of working things out. If for people who believe in, in God. And although I think that COVID was a horrible, horrible pandemic that was preventable, um, it was an, I don't think this was purposeful. I think that this was, this was a, uh, a very tragic lab accident leaking out of the Wuhan lab they were doing research they should never have been doing but the pandemic 
has resulted in some things that are hopefully opening up Americans' eyes. It has made people understand what the power of the government can be and how it can be used against individuals to shut down their businesses and to run their lives, which is something that people never really thought about or perceived happening in America. It also opened up people's eyes about what their children are being taught in schools because over the past year and a half, parents have been able to learn just what their children are being taught in schools, how they're being indoctrinated. And critical race theory is the most toxic, most vile, most despicable form of racism that is being shoved down their children's throats. And parents are both black and brown and white and Asian They are mortified that this is happening in their children's schools, and they are now fighting back, as we are seeing across the country. So this critical race theory, which is now being foisted upon Americans everywhere, is being injected into health care. These two doctors from the Harvard Medical School believe that Federal reparations are just the beginning of addressing structural racism. They define this in a medical context as the ability to pay or inequalities in uninsurance and insurance type or employment status or institutional racism or persisting housing inequality and racial segregation and wealth inequality. These are all the principles that these two doctors believe constitute the inequalities that need to be righted, need to be rectified in order to bring back a sense of real equality quickly. And they believe the best way to do that is to preferentially distribute health care to the BIPOC community, black, brown, indigenous people of color, BIPOC. And they feel that it is essential to undertake institutional action. The basis for this is the concept of, quote, applicative justice, end quote, applying justice to those who don't receive it now. So, their pilot program of reparations is in healthcare uses this framework acknowledgement, redress, and closure. They also call it the healing arc acknowledgement, redress, and closure, with initiatives for all three components. Let me share with you what the, those initiatives or what those components are. First is acknowledgement. Acknowledgement is the part where the healthcare system admits it was racist in the first place and promises to change. There will be focus groups in the BIPOC communities informing leadership of the problems they face accessing care. Then there are reparations, or as they put it, 
redress. This can take multiple forms, cash transfers, discounted or free care, to no taxes on, uh, to, to uh, I'm sorry, to taxing nonprofit hospitals, which they claim in the past have denied care to the BIPOC patients. And then finally comes closure. When the community and patient stakeholders and the institutional representatives must agree that the institutional debt has been paid and that a new system is in place to ensure that the problem will not reemerge. So who decides if enough payment has been made? Well, of course, the people receiving the money and the benefits. So it can never, ever be enough because the people who are making the decisions are not going to stop giving themselves the benefits. So this is a new direction where there will be preferential care to black, brown, indigenous people at the expense of other people in our society. When they were asked about the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which bars discrimination that favors some racial groups over another, what did they say? Well, they said that they think that the law, those laws are not important. So you have people here who are deciding what laws are, ap- are applicable and which laws aren't. Sort of like, you know, deciding, um, you know, which people you want to prosecute for rioting in this country. The people who burn down cities or the people who walk into the Capitol. This is two standards of care in the, or two standards in this country. And... Unfortunately, the loudest, the most vile, the most despicable voices are those of the Marxists and the, the people who should be putting this to rest, who should be shutting this down instead of doing so, are afraid of these people, this small minority, and they are jumping on this bandwagon. These two doctors from Harvard say that, quote, offering preferential care based on race or ethnicity may elicit legal challenges from our system of colorblind law. But given the ample current evidence that our health, judicial, and other systems already unfairly preference people who are white, we believe that our approach is corrective and therefore mandated. We encourage other institutions to proceed confidently on behalf of equity and racial justice with backing provided by recent White House executive orders, end quote. Now, if, if I, I'm, I'm just absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded that there are people who look at this and take this seriously. I've been a doctor for over 35 years, and I can absolutely guarantee you that the care that I give is colorblind, and the patients that I take care of get identical care no matter 
what color they are, no matter what race, no matter what religion, no matter what socioeconomic background they are. They all come into my waiting room. We don't segregate it based on on um, their ability to pay. We have people who are the wealthiest people in my community sitting right next door to people who live in the inner city. The, the notion trying to convince people that health care is racist is disgusting in it in its context it, and the people who are who are trying to promote this kind of f- way of thinking are are in and among themselves the most racist people themselves the the people who are saying this are, are are trying to convince people that because there was discrimination before, the only way to fix it now is with discrimination. And they believe that the president backs this, and and they think that way because he is talking about reparations in in the when when asked about this in uh, in forums across the country so this is this is really a very dangerous path that we're looking to um, to walk on to try to convince people that our um, medical community our medical system is a racist system it's true that people of color people who are um, are indigenous brown people black people may have greater incidences of certain problems compared to a white population but it has nothing to do with racism in the care that they're receiving it's multifactorial it has to do with lifestyle it has to do with compliance. Compliance means that when the doctor makes a recommendation, that the patients follow through with those recommendations. It's about patient choice. Now, if patients are not going to listen to doctors' recommendations and they have bad outcomes, that's not racism. That is, that's just stupid. And you cannot, you cannot legislate that. You cannot fix that problem. You've got to have patients who are compliant. When you have people who are getting the same advice, who are getting the same care, and who are getting different outcomes, it's a matter of genetics. It's a matter of compliance. And there may be other factors as well. I will acknowledge that. It has to do with whether or not they're able to um, take time off from work if they need to recuperate. It has to do with the kind of nutrition that they're getting if they're unable to afford better food. It's multifactorial. I completely acknowledge it. But it has nothing to do with our healthcare system being racist. And for people to to um, push that narrative, to to embrace that agenda is racist 
in itself, and it needs to be stopped. It needs to be put down. And um, in response to these two doctors from Harvard, the Brigham Women's Hospital in Boston says it will offer preferential care based on race and race-explicit interventions in an attempt to engage in an, quote, anti-racist agenda for medicine based on critical race theory. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I do not want my healthcare system to even consider race when it is time for someone to get health care. And that's where a patient who comes in gets treated the same way regardless. That's how I've been taught. That's how I've lived my life. And unfortunately, these our institutions are being overtaken by people who are kowtowing to this mentality. And as doctors emerge as they are being trained and as they are um, growing up in society, the doctors who have always treated patients the same are being replaced by these woke doctors who agree with these Marxist policies. So we're at a hard break right now, and um, I'm going to give you some more of this uh, attempt to um, uh, color, no pun intended, to color our health care system with a, um, a racial paintbrush. Um, and we'll talk more about this when we get back in the next segment of the Doctor's Lounge. Stay with us. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. Today, I am going negative. I've tried to be upbeat the last few shows, talking about opportunities for healthcare um, as we move forward, ways to um, improve our healthcare system, things that we should be optimistic about. But as some time has gone by recently and I'm watching our healthcare system be overtaken by Marxists who are trying to infect our healthcare system, it is troubling to me, it is breaking my heart that our institutions are kowtowing to this bunch of leftist lunatics, these people who are trying to divide our country and um, and do so in a way so that everything that is good about our country is destroyed, including our health care system. Back in 2008, when Obama was the president and was trying to fundamentally change America, including our health care system with Obamacare, the um, American Medical Association came out on the, on the side of doing just that, changing our health care system and embracing Obamacare. That's when Docs for Patient Care was formed because the doctors that I know and those who I don't know who were equally upset as myself and my colleagues and acquaintances with the American Medical Association for embracing this fundamental change in our healthcare system to basically destroy it, we realized that the American Medical Association, which once was the leading group for the preservation of our healthcare system, was no longer that. They were a group of sheep that were Uh, more interested in being politically correct and throwing the doctors in this country who've worked very, very hard to deliver excellent care, they were willing to throw them under the bus. And that's when Docs for Patient Care was formed, and that's when doctors started waking up and started speaking out. And I'm proud to say that after doing what was necessary to start that ball in motion, there are thousands of doctors around the country who have had the nerve to speak out, to speak up in healthcare forums, on social media platforms, and elsewhere to fight for what's good about healthcare. And 
That's what's required right now once again. Because here we go, 2021, the AMA, the American Medical Association, has jumped on the bus of critical race theory. And they are now part of the problem once again instead of the solution. They, the American Medical Association criticizes equality as a process and the, quote, myth of meritocracy. And they believe that critical race theory needs to be adopted in healthcare. And in order to um, advance this position, they've created a new equity plan, which is based on five strategic approaches to tackle these challenges. This is absolutely just just heartbreaking that the group that the media loves to quote, and it should come as no surprise to anybody why the media loves to quote them, because the media has been overtaken by Marxists. But now here we have the AMA once again taking the lead on promoting critical race theory in healthcare. So here's their five strategic approaches to begin tackling these challenges. Number one, embed equity and racial justice throughout the AMA by expanding capacity for understanding and implementing anti-racist equity strategies via practices, programming, policies, and culture. How do you do that? Well, as I said, how do you prove that you are anti-racist? By being a racist, by preferentially excluding one group to the benefit of another group, not meritocracy, but judging people based on the way that they look. This is not America. This is not how people around the world view America. They don't want to come to America to be judged how they look. They want to be given opportunities to achieve based on their brain, based on their character, based on their willingness to work. And when that's taken away from people, then we've basically taken away the whole idea of America. America isn't just a country. America is an idea. And you've got Marxists who hate that idea and will do everything that they can to destroy that idea. And here we have the AMA, which has been overtaken by Marxist ideology. I'm not going to say that they're all Marxists, but there are many in the AMA, and they've got the loudest voices, and the AMA does not want to be stamped as racist, so they've got to be anti-racist. And how do you become anti-racist? By adopting racist policies. Here's their second strategic approach. Build alliances 
with marginalized physicians and other stakeholders through developing structure and coalitions to elevate the experiences and ideas of historically marginalized and minoritized healthcare leaders. You know, there were people in medical school who um, were allowed to get through medical school simply because they were minority students. Now, I'm not saying that that's the that encompasses the majority of the minority students that were in medical schools. I've got I've got six minority partners. Now, actually, I've got way more than that I, because I've got black, brown. I guess Asian isn't a minority anymore in this country, but I've got many partners in my group who are amazing, unbelievable doctors who I send patients to on a regular basis, not because they're black, not because they're brown, but because they are excellent, excellent doctors. And how did they become excellent doctors? Not because they were pushed through because of the way that they look, but because they worked hard to get where they got. They earned it. They earned it because of a meritocracy, not based on the way that they look, but based on their skill, on their knowledge, on their willingness to work hard. And I'm proud to call these partners of mine my partners and my friends. And this is what the AMA fails to recognize and wants to destroy. And I, for one, do not want to go to a doctor who became a doctor simply because of the way that they looked, who lacks the skill and lacks the ability to really do the very, very best that they can for myself or my family. And neither should you. You should not want that. You should demand that that's not the case. You want the very best people to be, to, to be out there to take care of you. Number three on the AMA list is to push upstream to address all determinants of health and root causes of in, inequities by strengthening, empowering, and equipping physicians with the knowledge of and the tools for dismantling structural and social drivers of healthcare inequities. That is gobbledygook. That is just nonsense to appease people who are pushing for this. We know that in every society, there are going to be inequities. There's going to be inequities that are socioeconomic. And it's not because of people's color. It's because of their willingness to work. If you look right now in America, there are more unfilled jobs than ever before in American history because of the pandemic and the shutdown. But because of government policies, people aren't not wanting to go to work. And they're making more money from the government to stay home. And this is all part of a Marxist plan to destroy the fabric of our society, to destroy our ability to 
to provide for ourselves and have the government do this. And any time that the government can give you something, they can take it away. And the bigger the government, the smaller the individual, as Dennis Prager likes to say. So, yeah, doctors can recognize that we have drivers of inequity that are so, that are based on on socioeconomics. They're not based on race. It, it, it's just it's just a disingenuous argument to push forward that people are are locked into where they are because of their race. This is not the way it is in America. It may be the way it is in many parts of the world in in India or in Africa where if you are a certain in a certain caste you are locked in there forever. That's not how it works in America. Everybody has an opportunity to succeed in America. Every child has an opportunity to to learn to rise above where they are, rise above where their parents are, and succeed. And people who are pushing the narrative that that doesn't exist are trying to destroy the fabric of what our country is all about. The fourth part of the AMA plan is to ensure equitable structures and opportunities in innovation through embedding and advancing racial justice and health equity within existing AMA efforts to advance digital health. I don't even know what that means. This is what I'm talking about. All gobbledygook, all stuff that sounds great, that appeases to the far left. You use big enough words that are double speak and don't mean anything and you come up with a, a statement that is really meaningless but appeases the the loud vile um, uh, voices of the left that are trying to divide us and permeate our our institutions in this country and then finally, the AMA hopes to foster pathways for truth, racial healing, reconciliation, and transformation for the AMA's past by accounting for how policies and processes excluded, discriminated, and harmed communities and by amplifying and integrating the narratives of historically marginalized physicians and patients. Somebody has got to speak up and stop this nonsense. This is just the biggest pile, heaping pile of you know what. This is this is hopefully going to get better before it gets worse. Let me just share some other AMA stuff with you. They um they criticize the idea that people of different backgrounds should be treated the same as I've outlined for you in their five-point plan. Um, they say that critical race theory, or CRT, is often hard to define, but the AMA attempts to do so in its plan. 
They say that critical race theory, born out of both legal studies and education scholarship, and they're saying that critical race theory is scholarly work, that it is a framework that centers experiential knowledge, challenges dominant ideology, and mobilizes interdisciplinary action and research in order to uncover inequities related to race and racism and other inter- intersectional identities or experiences. So the critics of CRT have argued that when you um, start to do what the AMA wants to do, you're injecting divisive, dangerous, and racist concepts into healthcare and other various institutions across the U.S. Now, the AMA wants to commit to expand medical school and physician education to include equity, anti-racism, structural competency, public health and social sciences, critical race theory, and historic basis of disease, and they disparage the idea of meritocracy. Um, I don't know about you, but cert- I certainly am hopeful that the doctor that I go to is well-schooled in equity, anti-racism, st- um, structural competency, social science, critical race theory, and the historic basis of diseases instead of knowing how to make me better. I'm sure that you, when you go to your doctor, before you ask them to help fix your medical problems, are interviewing your doctors and asking them those very, very important and critical questions. Our young people are being infected with this crap, with this kind of thought processes instead of teaching them how to critically think and be good doctors and treat everybody the same. The AMA is claiming that treating everyone the same ignores the historic legacy of disinvestment and deprivation. Now, this is this is absolutely just the the most misguided way of handling problems. Again, fixing problems of the past by swinging the pendulum completely in the opposite direction and 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 basically overcompensating for that by by tr- treating a group that you identify in a preferential way. You know, the um, that we're we're coming up to the end of the show and I got a lot more to go through, but I wanted to share with you how this has even gotten into the CDC, the Center for Disease Control. The CDC, that should be focusing their attention on the pandemic, on ways to prevent future pandemics, to discuss and investigate treatment for the the coronavirus, not just prevention, something that was grossly lacking, which they were negligent about 
throughout the pandemic treating people who got sick instead of um, instead of working on ways to mitigate it with face masks or closing down businesses, shutting down schools and churches, or working on the vaccine, which is very important in my opinion, but nonetheless completely ignoring treatment modalities, which for any disease that I have ever encountered in my medical career, the first thing that we want to do is learn how to treat it not how to prevent it, for crying out loud. This is where Fauci, who I'm not even going to go into right now, dropped the ball with AIDS for the 30 years that he was in charge of AIDS. He spent the better part of the first half of that looking unsuccessfully for a vaccine and completely ignoring treatment um Opportunities, treatment modalities to treat these people, <clears throat> letting millions of people die because we didn't have a, a treatment for HIV, which we now do, um, but no thanks to him. And that's what the CDC did once again with coronavirus. So what is the CDC now doing, Because which is so important during this time where we're learning about new variants of of um, of the coronavirus, the Delta variant, and people are talking about shutting down businesses again in California because of the reemergence of the Delta virus. What is the CDC doing, which is so important? Well, they just launched a web portal which alleges systemic racism. This is the CDC. They just launched a web portal called Racism and Health explaining what it means by the word racism. So they consider racism as a a system consisting of structures, policies, practices, and norms that assigns value and determines opportunity based on the way people look or the color of their skin. Now, the portal says that this results in conditions that unfairly advantage some and advantage others throughout society. And what's very interesting, (coughs) that in their definition, they ignore that definition in the very ways that the AMA seeks to combat this problem. So what the CDC is essentially doing is they're defining what the AMA is doing as racism. So what they're saying, excuse me, what they're saying is that there are people in our society (coughs) who are dedicated to holding back black America. (coughs) And they believe that the people who are doing so are politicians and teacher union members who refuse to allow black children to go to good schools. So who is doing this? It's the Democrat Party that's doing this. They're the ones who have who have prevented school choice in this country. And the, the CDC site goes on to say, 
that there are people who require black workers to put their retirement money in the Social Security system. The government is the ones who are doing this and not allowing privatization. There, This is Democrat-run policies. And then finally, they're saying that there are people, the system, robs them of opportunities to build up real wealth, and they've erected a welfare state that has plunged black Americans into three generations of poverty. Well, who has done that? It's the Democrat Party that's done that. And so we've got these woke people, these Marxists in the Democrat Party who are now controlling the political message of the CDC, and they are they are saying that these problems are caused by the very people that that they identify as this is this is absurd this is exactly the kind of narrative that we're hearing right now with the defund police effort where the the people on the left are saying that the people the individuals who who claimed that they wanted to defund the police are the Republicans, the conservatives. The the world is turned upside down, my friends. And it is time that we recognize that the only way to fight back is to shine the light on what these people are trying to do, which is to infect every aspect of our society. The light has been shown, fortunately, on the schools and the education systems, and parents are fighting back. Well, my friends, I am telling you, I am giving you documented evidence that these same people, these Marxists, are trying to infect our health care system and rip it apart And it's up to every person, every person, not just doctors, but every person to fight back and shine the light on what's going on. Otherwise, we will not have a health care system that we can rely on. It will be unrecognizable from the system that we're all used to, which is the best health care system in the world. Come back next week and join my uh, co-host, Dr. Scott, as he comes back with uh, more health care news. And I'll be back in two weeks with my guest, Lee Gross, who will talk about uh, updates in direct primary care. Thank you for being with us today, and uh, God bless. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.